Amen. Amen. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter number 1. And we are going to read an interesting um, text in Colossians chapter 1 from verse 24 to 29. Colossians chapter 4, verse 24 to 29. And if you don't mind, I'll read it in the Living Bible. These days, my favorite Bible is the Living Bible. I don't know why. I'm enjoying reading the Living Bible. He says, but part of my work, someone say part of my work. Part of my work is to suffer for you. And I'm glad, for I am helping to finish up the remainder of Christ's suffering. Um, you didn't hear what I said. Can I say it again? It's the Bible I'm reading. It says that part of my work is to suffer for you. And I am glad, for I am helping to finish up the remainder of Christ's suffering for his body, the church. And has sent, God has sent me to help his church. And to tell his secret plan to you Gentiles. He has kept his secret for centuries and generations past. But now at least, at last, it has pleased him to tell it to those who love him and to live for him. Those who love him and live for him. The riches and the glory of his plan are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ is in your hearts. Christ in your hearts is your hope, only hope of glory. Amen. So everywhere you go, we talk about Christ to you, to all who will listen, warning them and teaching them as well as we know how. We want to be able to present each one to God perfect because of what Christ has done for each of them. This is my work, and I can do it only because Christ's mighty energy is at work within me. Hallelujah. Let's look at the Amplified again. Let me read out from the Amplified. From verse, verse 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings on your behalf and with my own body I supplement whatever is lacking on our part of Christ's afflictions on behalf of his body which is the church. In this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship which God entrusted to me for your sake, so that I'm, I might make the word of God fully known among you. This is the mystery which was hidden from the angels and mankind for ages and generations, but has now been revealed to his saints, God's people. God, in his eternal plan, chose to make known to them how great for the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this 
mystery, which is Christ in and among you, the hope and guarantee of realizing the glory. We proclaim him, warning and instructing everyone to, in all wisdom, that is with comprehensive insight into the word and purpose of God, so that we may present every person complete in Christ, mature, fully trained, and perfect in him, the anointed. Hallelujah. So, there's... 29 is that for this I labor often to the point of exhaustion, striving with his power, energy, and energy which is greatly, which so greatly works within me. Hallelujah. If you are looking for a title for our little discussion this evening, is Sacrifice and the Ministry. Sacrifice and the ministry. But the interesting thing that the Living Bible says is that, but part of my work, somebody say part of my work. Now, Paul is addressing himself as a minister of the gospel, as we all are. And Paul is saying, a part of my work as a minister in the ministry for you is to suffer for you. Part of my work is what? To suffer for you. For I am helping to finish the remainder of Christ's sufferings in his body. Just a Friday gone, Jesus sacrificed his life. And he said, it is finished. So my question is that if the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and the resurrection is a complete work, then how come Paul is this evening telling us that he is still continuing in the suffering that Christ began to supplement the work that Christ started, which means that the work Christ started was not finished. Uh, hello? Are you with me? Are you seeing how interesting this thing sounds? He says that I have to keep suffering. But then that takes me back to what Jesus said. If anyone comes after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So it is not, a, it is not in contradiction with each other. It's actually a complete statement that Christ has suffered, but his suffering was to to start salvation. But the perpetuation of salvation needs others to come in and suffer for others. Otherwise, the point, there comes a point that the others will not receive salvation. Am I making sense? If people don't suffer, the Word of salvation will not continue. Hallelujah. And this goes against every teaching in the church today. Because every teaching in the church today is that Jesus paid it all. 
We are saved by grace. There is all we have to do is to believe in the finished work of Christ. And that's all. Now that is also true. But that doesn't negate what, this, what Paul is saying here. Hallelujah. Because for ministry to continue or to start anywhere in the world, it includes suffering. Somebody say suffering. If you, in John chapter 12, verse 24, it says that except a grain of corn fall to the ground and die, it abides. John 12, 20, 20. It's 12, 24, isn't it? What did I say? Oh, sorry. John 12, 24. Except a grain of corn falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. But when it dies, the word is a conditional clause there, isn't it? He said, but if it dies, which means that it's not every grain that falls down that allows itself to die. Some protect themselves. And because they protect themselves, they don't die. And because they don't die, they abide and remain alone. They don't bear much fruit. The reason why the church of God, the body of Christ, everywhere in the world is empty in comparison to the football stadiums, in comparison to the music concert halls, in comparison to the nightclubs, is because of this little conditional clause. If it dies, it produces much grain. If it does not die, it abides alone. And Paul is telling the church in, in Colossae that God, Jesus started the work. But my calling is to suffer for you. Because I am the grain that has had to die and remain in the ground so that you can become fruitful. Am I making sense? We struggle with the concept of sacrifice and suffering. And mostly because of the sermons that has been preached to us. And the sermons is that joy, joy, joy. Now that I'm born again, I am on my way to heaven and there's no need for me or anybody to sacrifice. And so we find it very strange when we have to sacrifice, when we have to do anything when we have to be inconvenienced for others because we come to the house of God, we come to the kingdom of God with a very selfish mentality, waiting to be saved, waiting to, to, to have um, what do you call it? We want to have it all all the blessings, all the, the, the grace, all everything, but no suffering because salvation must begin and end with us. But that was not the plan that Jesus had. Hallelujah. That was never the plan. The plan was for his seed to continue. You see, if you look in Genesis, 
you will see that when God gave the earth seed-bearing fruit, it was one. Am I making sense? It was the seed-bearing fruit. All the fruits, all the trees that are, are, are in the world have seeds within them. And the seeds are supposed to keep replenishing as the older seeds die by sacrificing themselves into the ground. So when the, 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 the tree uh, or the fruit falls down, it, it sacrifices itself and its seeds go into the ground and then it germinates and brings forth more fruit and then it goes on so that it starts with maybe a few, a few trees and it becomes a forest and then it con- continues regenerating and regenerating and regenerating. The plants understand this concept. The animals understand this concept. Human beings, as we are, we understand this concept. Unfortunately, Christians don't understand this concept. It's a very simple concept, but we struggle with it. Because we think that Jesus' seed must keep reproducing, not our seed. One man died. And we quote the scripture that says that through one man, sin came into the world. And by one man, we all have salvation. And that's the end of it. And so, we become very powerless. We become fruitless and powerless to affect the next generation for God. So you see that as the years go by, those that sacrificed and built a lot for God are dying off. And those who are replacing them are sacrificing relatively less. The way you have gone quiet, I don't know whether it's the message that's making you go quiet or, or what, what I'm, I'm struggling Don't worry. When I read the scripture, I was like, mm, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. So you see, there is a difference now in what is real Christianity as opposed to what is fake or plastic. And you see these plastic flowers. They look like the real thing. The only difference between the plastic flower and the real thing is life. One has life. And the reason why the other has life is that life is like a relay that is being, re- is being passed on. So the one that has life gives when it's finished its cycle, passes the button to the next one who continues with the cycle of life. How many understand? How many have watched Lion King? Circle of life. One, one lion is about to go. He gives birth to another lion and presents the lion who is supposed to take over and also continue the legacy 
And when the time comes, he also has to present another lion. I just thought about it, so I thought I'll share it with you. Another lion on the, on the rock, you know, the pride pack, so that, so that uh, uh, all the fathers have a certain graveyard that they go to rest. To remind the younger lions that the path you are treading, others have treaded on that same path before you. Yeah, I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. So it, it, is, it is a circle of life. So the difference between a plastic flower and a live flower is life. The difference between a plastic church and a live church is the life it consistently generates. So when the church stops generating life, it becomes a plastic flower. The plastic rose looks like a proper rose. Happy birthday, rose. The only difference between the plastic rose and the live rose, the real rose, is that one has life. And the other, oh, don't spoil my message. I'm preaching some serious message here. <laughs> don't spoil it for me, please. <laughs> How many are getting it? Christelle, are you getting the message? Yeah. So, each rose must ask itself, how many roses have come through me? So, that is how we can differentiate between a plastic flower and a live flower. A living Christian and a plastic Christian is, the difference is life. It's not how good you look. Is how much life do you produce? And you see, you can never produce unless you suffer. Ask the women that go to the delivery road, they will tell you. Whether you like it or not, you will suffer at that word. It is called a labor word, not by accident. There is labor that goes on in that word. <laughs> I think I'm preaching better than you are saying amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm trying to provoke you to think. Amen. It is time for us to change being uh, plastic Christians into proper life Christians. As to how beautiful you look, really, it don't make no difference. These flowers look very beautiful, don't they? I don't know whether these are daffodils or whatever. But they look beautiful. But it's not real. It is bright. It looks exactly like the real thing. It is as shiny as the real thing. It even looks more shiny than the real thing. The only difference is that there's no life. 
Because this one doesn't want to suffer. He wants to stay pretty. The plastic Christian wants to remain pretty. All the blessings we want to absorb. All the grace we want to absorb. All the healings we want to absorb. All the uh, glory we want to absorb. But after doing all that, we don't give any life back. We don't suffer. Hallelujah. So it makes us powerless in the face of God. Look at Acts chapter 9 with me. Acts chapter 9. Um, let's start from verse, maybe verse 23. Uh, go to 26. I don't want to read too many. So when Saul had joined, had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join. No, no, no. No. I've gone too far. Um, so we know the story, don't we? From verse 1. He was breathing threats. He had letters to go um, to Damascus uh, to go and find some Christians and then bring them to the, uh, in chains to the, to the high priest so that he can imprison or kill them. You know all that. Okay? So, Bible says that, then as they journeyed, verse 3, as they journeyed came near Damascus, and suddenly a, a light shone around him from heaven, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus whom you, persecute, you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the bricks. You remember that, that scripture? And so he came trembling and he fell to his face. And then Saul arose from the ground. His eyes were opened, but he saw no one. And they led him to the, by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And verse 3, verse 9 says that, and he was there three days without sight, neither ate nor drank. Ananias baptized, uh, so neither ate or drank. Now, uh, there was a certain um, disciple, Ananias, he was uh, praying, and the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the city, the street called Street, and inquire of the house called Judas the Tenor for Saul of Tarsus. And behold, he is praying. And in a vision, a man is come called Ananias and come in and putting his hand, his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. You know all that, isn't it? So, Ananias says to the Lord, I've heard how, many, how that man has done so much evil to the saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. Verse 15 says that, but the Lord said to him, go, for he is my chosen vessel, chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before who? Before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Verse 16, let's read verse 16 together. For I will show him how much. Oh, read it again. 
Okay. So he's saying that I have a plan for this guy. This plan involves him becoming my main agent into the Gentiles before kings and before the sons of Israel. Isn't it? And then he goes on to drop a key. And the key is that I will show him how many things he must suffer for my namesake. We just said that suffering releases life. Isn't that what we said? John 12, 24, isn't it? Suffering releases life. And Jesus, and God is saying to, uh, Jesus is saying to uh, Ananias, I am going to show him how much he has to suffer in order to release life. Now, with the benefit of hindsight, we know that Paul was one of the greatest apostles that lived. He became very, very productive and he became very notable because he became a beacon of light to the Gentiles. He became a missionary. We all read his, his preachings and his teachings. What I'm teaching now is Paul's teachings. Hallelujah. And so, it is about suffering. <laughs> Listen to an interesting thing that Paul says to the, Corinth, to the church in Corinth. 2 Corinthians 11. Now, we are, we are looking at this guy who Jesus says that he has to suffer many things. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty two. Are they Jews? Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. I am more of a minister than they. And then he's going to give us a defense why he said, I am more than they. In labors, more abundance than them. In stripes, above measure. In prison, more frequently. In death, often. For the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day, I have been in the deep. In journeys, often. In perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of Gentiles, in perils of in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and in thirst, in fastings often, in cold and in nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches, all this that I go through, my daily anxiety is all for the churches. Hallelujah. Who is weak and I'm not weak? Who has made, who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation? If I must boast, I'll boast in the things 
which concern my infirmities. The God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor under Arthur's, the king, was guarding the city of the Damascus with a garrison desiring to catch me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from their hands. Uh, and then it goes on and on and on about suffering. And we know that suffering releases life. And no wonder Paul was more fruitful than others. He says that all these guys are their apostles. I am more than them. Why am I more? Because I have suffered more for the kingdom, more for the churches, more for evangelism, more for the ministry, more for every church. Hallelujah. There are others who never did anything, even though they were there. They were apostles. You know, have you ever wondered, the guy who replaced um, Judas, they mentioned his name once. In Acts chapter 1, they mentioned his name only once. His name was mentioned that this is a replacement of Judas. That was it. You didn't hear of him again. But you cannot read the Bible and not see Paul's name. Are you getting what I'm saying? So I am I'm also going to ask you this question. If we were to rewrite the Bible, because you know, out of the apostles never finishes. There's no end. All the other uh, books, there's an end to it. But out of the apostles, it stops, which means that the rest is to be added on. So every church is adding on. Every generation is adding on to us of the apostles. Every generation is... That's why the Bible says that to the things that are written, there is no end. There is no end to the Bible because every generation is adding something small to it. Hallelujah. So I'm asking you that if we're to write the Bible now, are you going to be one of the people whose name will be prominent? Or they will ignore your name. Ask yourself. Because if suffering makes you more prominent, my question is that, have you suffered? What have you suffered? What have you been through? What have you survived for the kingdom? How many insults? Hey, try insulting a modern-day Christian. That's the last day you see them in the church. <laughs> try even shouting at them. When they go on evangelism, they will leave not only the, the evangelism, they will leave the church. Try offending a Christian today. They will just leave. Because suffering is not part of our vocabulary. 
We don't want it in our vocabulary. We cannot suffer. We didn't come here to suffer. We came here to be blessed. Have you seen Paul's resume? Write your resume now. And then when you finish writing your resume, just download Paul's resume. And you yourself, just do your own. Be the judge. Bible says that if we judge ourselves, we will not be judged. So judge yourself as against Paul's resume. And see whether... You send somebody to go and pastor a church and something small affects their toenail. They have a little accident and their toenail just bruises a little bit. You hear the end of it. Pastor, pastor, my toe, my toe. I was resting and he told me to go and go and start this church. Look at what has happened to me. You see, I, I am preaching this message because I'm a living example. And I've been in it, and I've, I can tell you for a fact that suffering is part of ministry. If you want to see a certain type of ministry and you're not prepared to suffer, you will never see it. Hallelujah. If you try to protect yourself, from offense, protect yourself from hurt, protect yourself from injuries. You will never ever see a certain type of ministry. You will have a plastic church <laughs> or a plastic department, a plastic chapel, not a live one. You become a manager. See, there are differences between a manager and a leader. A manager manages what is given to them. So they come to see five people, they manage five people. When they are leaving, by the time they are leaving, they manage the five. Maybe they'll lose like one or two, but they'll manage the five. They'll leave you with maybe three. <laughs> Natural wastage happens, and that's it. A leader is somebody who comes, who starts with maybe one, two, or three. And by the time you go back, he has 300. Then you know you are dealing with a leader right there. You are dealing with a Paul right there. Hallelujah. Because the price is the price will never change. The price will never change. Suffering is the price of ministry. Hallelujah. Hey, this message, I think I'm preaching it to the wrong crowd. I I am very, very sure that I'm preaching to the wrong crowd. <laughs> I think I have to reserve the message for another crowd. Hallelujah. Now, let's look at Jesus himself. Jesus himself. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Now, Jesus is God made flesh, the son of God himself. He has come to the earth. He's about to start a ministry. Amen. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. 
And when he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, afterward, he was hungry. Hallelujah. The Spirit said that now that you're about to start your ministry, you have to go through a baptism of suffering. You have to learn to lay your stomach down. And you have to learn to pray. So now in Luke chapter 4, verse 1, same story. He says that Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And being tempted for 40 days by the devil, in those days he ate nothing. Afterwards, when he had ended, they had ended, he was hungry. Amen. So, suffering of the stomach. Suffering of feeling. Then verse 12, he goes on to say that the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. Hallelujah. To the poor, to heal the, the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the ca captive, the recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Hallelujah. So Jesus himself goes through a period of suffering in order to be released into the ministry. And then one day in the ministry, in Matthew 17, 17, he's in the ministry, he's doing well, and then he goes to the mountain with some of his disciples. They have transfiguration. They come down. Then Jesus answered and said, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, because a boy had been brought who had a, a, a epilepsy, and the disciples could not heal the boy because they were plastic disciples. They hadn't suffered anything, and they were trying to raise uh, or del deliver this boy from the infirmity that he was in. Jesus said, oh, uh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long will I bear with you? Bring him here. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out, and he called, the, and the child was cured from that very hour. And the disciples came to Jesus privately and said to him, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus answered and said to them, because of your unbelief. For assuredly I say unto you, if you have faith as a master seed, you will say to this mountain, be removed and be removed from here and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. However, someone say however. However, this kind does not go out except by what? By the sacrifice of prayer and the sacrifice of our stomachs. Hallelujah. Jesus himself is saying that power needs to be released. And power can only be released through suffering. If you don't suffer, you will not release power. Am I, am I making, making sense? The reason why ministry can never be real ministry without suffering is because ministry involves power. And power can never be released if you don't suffer. Let me bring it to natural, the natural life so that you can understand. I don't care how good food you eat and how you look after yourself. If you want to 
uh, gain a certain power, strength, natural strength, you have to go through exercises. You have to lift some weights. You have to suffer in the gym. Because the more you suffer in the gym, the more power is released to you. The more muscles you get, the, more fa- the faster you can run, the stronger you get, the more heavier things you can lift. Uh, you understand what I'm saying? In the same way, in ministry, if you want to do anything significant, you have to suffer to release power. Without suffering, power is not released. So I don't care. You are doing a choir. Is it a plastic choir or a live choir? You decide. Because a plastic choir, there's no suffering. We come, we learn the song, we go home. A live choir, there has to be suffering. You have to do your own prayer and fasting times, your own evangelism, your own cutting your teeth into proper ministry. That is what releases power. So now you sing a song and the effect is different from the normal things you are doing before. Am I making sense? Without struggle and suffering, there's no ministry. So I say, no ministry, no power. No suffering, no ministry. No suffering, no ministry. No death, no ministry coming alive. Hallelujah. If we don't die to our flesh, We don't die to our ego. We don't die to our feelings. We don't die to our finances. We don't die to some of these things. There's no way power will be released for ministry. Hallelujah. Yesterday, the men were talking about suffering and how suffering, how men ought to suffer for in the home, isn't it? Am I quote me if I would? To sacrifice. And it's true. If a man doesn't sacrifice his feelings, his wants, he, there won't be any family. Even your bed that you're sleeping on, you have to sacrifice and share it with somebody. <laughs> oh, you didn't think about it. That same bed. If it's a double bed, you are sleeping on it as one person, and you are happy on it. You want to start a family, now that same bed has to be shared with somebody else. The money that you were using, that was not even enough for you alone. That same money has to be shared with other people. That is sacrifice. That is what builds a family. So even in the natural, to build a family, you have to sacrifice. You cannot be a selfish man and have a a family. (laughs) Then it will be a proper family. (laughs) When you see all these type of irresponsible men who are always, it's like, it's the child, it's not my child, let's go and do DNA. They are running from responsibility. I only slept with you one. I didn't go two. 
No, there was somebody else. It's not me. It's not me. Why? They are running from suffering. <laughs> Hallelujah. How many understand what I'm saying? They don't want to suffer. That is why they won't have a family. When you go to places like America and things, you see that the majority of people of a certain color, they are the, the majority in prisons, even though they are a minority. And it's the whole reason is because the men decided not to suffer, not to sacrifice, not to be responsible for their children. So their children are half-raised. And you see, it perpetuates itself. And you hear them say, I didn't have a father. I didn't have a father's love. I didn't have a father's correction. So they also end up raising children who have no, I mean, somebody who doesn't know how to raise a child is raising a child. So they all end up in a system. Because people who are supposed to suffer decide that they don't want to suffer. Are you, are you getting get what I'm saying? And that is the reason why a certain generation is being born. If the generation in places like that want to correct itself, the men who are coming now will have to become men, real men, and not boys forever. Oh, I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, they have to become men to, to, to take responsibility. Because responsibility means you have to suffer. You have to sacrifice. Your food, you have to share it. Are, are you with me? A single man has about five girlfriends, six girlfriends. He's going jumping from one girl to the other. It's like taking this one to a dinner. One night he can go to three different dinners. And each dinner is expensive. He's out there. Take this girl to dinner. Take the other girl to dinner. Take the other girl to dinner. But the dinner guy gets married. All the girls have to go. Because the dinners are going to be used to pay child care. <laughs> oh, you don't understand what I'm saying. He has to buy school, uh, what do you call it, school shoes. School uniform. You have to pay after school club. Because money is opportunity cost, isn't it? If you use it for here, you can't use it for there. Hallelujah. Ministry is suffering. Without suffering, there is no ministry. Am I talking to somebody? If you want to be selfish, you will not have any, you'll become a plastic ministry. If you want to have a vibrant, thriving chapel, a vibrant, thriving department, a vibrant, thriving church, be prepared to lay your life down. Suffer for others. Go to a place. Go and do evangelism. Don't sit in a room in your comfort and expect them to come to you. Nobody comes to you. You know what these days people do? They sit in their comfort, uh, comfortable chair, put a camera on them in their bedrooms, and they say, I've started a ministry. 
my ministry is Divine Healers International Church. And in the house, then they put the camera on. Welcome, friends. Today we are going to talk about... <laughs> I see, I see, there's a lady watching me. I see God is healing. God is... My friend, shut up and leave that room and go out there. Sit in your lazy boy chair and say, I do ministry. <laughs> you are not serious. <laughs> and said the grain of corn falls to the ground and dies. It abides alone. It's up to you. If you want to abide alone, don't die. If you want to grow and become a forest, then you have to die. There's no other way out of, out of it. Paul says that Jesus has done his own. Put that scripture back again. I, I, I like my, my new, my living Bible. He says, Colossians chapter 1 verse 24. But part of my work is to suffer for you. And I'm glad. For I am helping to finish up the remainder of Christ's sufferings for his body. Which means that there is a remainder of Christ's sufferings for his body. And that remainder can only be suffered in people who want to perpetuate the gospel. If you want to continue the, the gospel, there is a remainder of the suffering. The suffering Jesus did was not enough. Read the NIV for me. Is it NIV? NLT. What does it say? I am glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ. That continue for his body, the church. The sacrifice continues. Aluta continua. The suffering continues. And those of us who want to replenish or go through the ministry that Paul did, also want to repl replicate what Paul did, we have to go through the same suffering. I cannot tell you the number of times we've had puncture on the road. Once we lost our whole car. The car was a write-off. Because we're traveling from London to Birmingham every weekend, twice. Every weekend. Saturday and Sunday. And the church didn't give us one P for petrol. Not one P. Our own money from London straight to Birmingham, do evangelism back and go back again Sunday. Did it for many months. Lost our car. One day we we're doing evangelism, evangelism. There was a fire accident. And my wife and I got bent. It's part of the suffering for ministry. I was walking on the streets of, uh, what do you call it, uh, France, alone. Walking. Looking for people, speaking to people in, a, in broken French. 
to try and win souls for Christ. Sometimes, as I'm speaking, the people will look at my face and you can see how I'm struggling to join my parents to do French. <laughs> joining together to, to preach. And wasn't joining. And almost 80 or 90% of them speak English, but they will never speak. Because they want to see what you, if you don't want to speak my language, why should I speak your language? So as soon as they see you struggle, and you're struggling, and you're, you're struggling to try and speak in their French, then, then they'll switch to English. They say, ah, you have made me suffer so much. <laughs> yeah. Then they'll, so when they switch, then it's like, okay, now let's talk about salvation. It was very lonely. Very lonely. All my friends are Away. Very depressing. I cannot tell the number of times I cried. I'll be walking on the street and I'm crying. Not, and I'm a full grown man with children. And I'm walking on the streets of Paris and I'm crying. Somebody will see me with tears in my eyes and they don't know. I say, Who is this man? But that's the price for ministry. If you want to do real ministry, Oh, your tears will have to fall. Yeah. Your tears will have to fall. I cannot tell you the number of times I go on evangelism, I come home, and my wife and children are crying. And when they see me coming, then they try and wipe their face quickly before I get into the room so that I don't catch them crying. Because the children would have gone to school and they were bullied. And they don't speak French. So how did they go and report the people have bullied them. So they come home to cry to mommy. And then mommy too is crying. And he's like, what is this that this man has brought us here? We've left all our friends to come here to suffer. And when they, see, they hear me put the, uh, my key to open the door, they, they stop because they don't want me to feel bad. So I see it. And then I try to like, because I need to have done my own crying before I got there. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you don't suffer, you won't have ministry. Believe me. I say if you don't suffer, you will not have ministry. Hallelujah. Let's look at, before, before we finish, let's look at an interesting uh, scripture in Daniel chapter, 11, uh, chapter 12. Sorry, Daniel 11, 9. But he said, go now, Daniel, for, I have, for what I have said is not to be understood until the time of the end. Many shall be purified by great trials and persecutions, but the wicked shall continue in their wickedness, and none of them will... And, None of them will understand. Only those who are willing to learn will know what it means. For the time the daily sacrifice is taken away and the horrible thing is set up to be worshipped, there will be 100 and, 
1,290 days. Is that in your Bible? Sorry? Daniel 9. Sorry, Daniel 11, verse 9. Am I? No, sorry. That is 12. I think it's 12, 9. Yeah, 12, 9. And I'm verse 11 now. And from that time that the continual burnt offering shall be taken away, the abomination that maketh desolate set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What he's saying that when the Antichrist comes, the first thing the Antichrist will do is to take away the daily sacrifice. What it means is that the Antichrist knows that the secret source of power, the secret source of life for the Christian is sacrifice. So the first thing the Antichrist will do is to take it away. So that people don't want to sacrifice anymore. And when it's completely taken away, then the end will start. That will be the beginning of the end. When daily sacrifice is taken from the church, then people are about to go. Remember in uh, Matthew, is it Matthew 16, when Jesus said to his disciples that now, I have to go towards Jerusalem to die. Peter says, far from you that you should go and die. Do you remember that story? Uh, Matthew 17, 17. Jesus answered and no. Is it Matthew 16? 16, 21, sorry. Matthew 16, verse 21. From then on, Jesus began to speak plainly to the disciples about going to Jerusalem and what should happen to him there. And he said he will suffer in the hands of the, on the, at the hands of the Jewish leaders and that he will be killed and that three days later he will be raised to life again. But Peter took him aside to rebuke him. Heaven forbid, sir. He said, what? This is not going to happen to you. Then Jesus turned on Peter and said, get away from me, you Satan. You are a dangerous, a dangerous trap to me. You are thinking merely from a human point of view and not from God's point of view. Hallelujah. Then Jesus said to the disciples, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Hallelujah. So it is Satan that will tell you that don't suffer. Satan is the one that will take away the daily sacrifice. The Antichrist will take away the daily sacrifice so that the church becomes plastic. Plastic. It looks very lovely and nice on the outside, but nothing is happening. So ask yourself, is my ministry plastic? Is my church plastic? Is my Christian life plastic? Or am I real and genuine? Stand to your